Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Adulting. I know we've had a little break, but I am back with a very exciting guest. I have Shona with me today. Hello. Hi. So Shona and I are going to be talking all things kind of from white privilege, race, and that might seem a bit random to talk about on an adulting podcast, but I think one of the most important things that's happened to me when I've grown up is really, well, as I'm growing up, is realising that I'm an entity within a massive, huge communication centre that is the world that is built off years and years of conditioning and governing that underpins basically everything that we do. And I think unless you create an awareness towards this, you can really do yourself a disservice and everyone around you because really we're responsible for how the world's going to turn out, how society is going to be. And it's very easy as a white person, as a white cisgendered privileged person to go through your life and never really realise the struggles that other people face. Um, obviously, as a woman, you might understand sexism. But when it comes to race, it's such a big thing. And we need to talk about it more. And that's what we're going to do. Yeah, I think that's one of the best things about growing up, actually, is the sort of slow but but conscious, like, re- no, it's not a reawakening. I guess it's like this kind of ability to suddenly question the conditioning that you've grown up within Mm -hmm. and realizing how each experience that you've ever had growing up um, has caused you to become the person you are today. But that's just your life. And what's really awesome is then turning that sort of self-awareness onto the rest of society as well. Yeah. If that makes sense. I think what's really interesting as well is maybe... The first, I think we're one of the first generations where hopefully it's becoming more mainstream because we're starting, like we were just talking about deconditioning ourselves. Yes. We're finally actually breaking out. It seems, it might seem that slavery is so distant in the past, mm. but I think it's actually only just now unraveling and we're starting to get certain areas and segments of society are starting to be like, fuck, this is still intrinsically linked to everything that we do absolutely particularly if you have come from that sort of with that sort of background um i think it's it's like anything i mean i don't it's funny that we think it's so far away at times Mm. because actually if you think about how much you might hold on to a particular memory in your childhood like maybe one day where um your mum said no to you about something and suddenly that caused this like knock on effect. And then suddenly you decide that um, feathers are bad or whatever it might be, right? You have this conditioned belief based on this one tiny experience that happened to you when you were younger. Now you plant slavery Mm. into your family at some stage. That is of course going to have a knock on effect through the generations. It's just, it doesn't go away unless we start to really address it. In fact, I think that's a really good point. I think we should talk about... So what people get with with racism, I think a lot of the time people... We've talked about 
try to incentivize this idea of reverse racism and I think what we should explain is the reason that racism and cultural appropriation all these things exist is because they're based off of something which has had a negative past yes. so you can't have reverse racism because white people have never been subject to marginalization or oppression or anything like that and that that's why like you, you just can't be racist to a white person it just doesn't work because we are the oppressor exactly and and marginalized ethnic minority groups and and people of color have a history of being oppressed which is why you can be racist towards them which is why cultural appropriation is a thing which is why wearing your hair in cornrows or wearing a bindi or anything like that <laughs> is can you extend it a bit more because i want people to because cultural appropriation is a big thing that people don't get yeah it's a really big thing um but it has to come from the oppressor but it has to come from the oppressor so it can only ever come from from them really um it's one of those so i'll use yoga as an example yeah good so yoga um is a very ancient tradition and and religion and lifestyle um that originated in india which we were just saying maybe some people don't even realize that it came from india they probably think comes from you know a villa in bali yeah like Ubud or something (laughs) and um it comes from India and, you know, it has a whole philosophy attached to it. The really sad part about yoga these days is that it was embraced by the West, which is amazing because it is a really beautiful practice. But now it's at the point where um, the top kind of known and repre- well-represented yogis are all white. Mm. And now Indian yogis and Indian yoga teachers rarely get represented in the media for yoga yeah and so that is a cultural appropriation because you've got um (laughs) white people who um and you know i don't even know whether to go into indentured slavery but you know indians definitely had their history of you know even that was called indentured servitude was just another form of slavery um and they had to go through their own liberation against white people but then white people have taken yoga something of theirs theirs, and then made so much money out of it made it a part of their own and now indian people aren't ever represented really in In the yoga in the yoga community and it's definitely seen as a white middle class thing yoga is which is what's so ironic yeah and it also you go into um so something a lot of people don't get is when like kim kardashian wears cornrows and the reason that that's so problematic is black women and shona you've spoken about this before only like in the media really you only ever see like the straight hair Mm -hmm. so women especially black women for years have worn wigs or weaves to try and make their hair look westernized and white to fit into a society that's completely whitewashed so when a white person is then like actually i'm gonna wear my hair in a way that's designed for curly hair like afro hair it's like what the hell no you've already got your hair like your hair already exists in every single paradigm and this is one way that we wear our hair when for years we felt like we couldn't wear our natural hair yeah and then you're suddenly appropriating something exactly it's really hard to explain but the hair one is one that i find really easy to understand right okay fine it makes sense to me yeah totally i think it's the hair one's hair in and of itself is like this whole yeah. racial thing. And that's why I made a video on my YouTube channel about how I wear my hair curly. And in the beginning of it, I talk about, it's sort of like my curl routine. But in the beginning of it, I talk about, um, and I had to really cut it back because I got a bit emotional and I was editing certain aspects out of it. But I'm passionate about curly hair, not just because um, I think that, you know, we should just embrace beauty and, and, and sort of like break down beauty standards. But actually, if you go deeper into how beauty standards were 
set, mm. they very they are very much related to a Caucasian race. Yeah. And attributes that are related to that white race. So having straight hair that sits perfectly and blows in the wind or moves in the wind at all, which sometimes my hair really doesn't move yeah. in the wind <laughs> when it's very curly. So it's these sorts of things that um, I try to kind of rebel against because I think that curly hair should be beautiful. We shouldn't see it as something that is different to straight hair and therefore is less of. Well, it's interesting because I've always followed you when you've had your hair curly. And right. you said to me, I actually didn't used to wear it. Like you used to blow no. dry it straight, Oh didn't my you? gosh. Like every weekend. So every Sunday night, I'd spend two hours in this hair routine. And I'd wash my hair once a week to try and preserve this blow dry. And I was actually... So if we go back a little bit, I was... Exp- so... <laughs> The, the issue is, is that growing up, I didn't, there wasn't really, other than my mother, there wasn't a lot of representation of other women in, in powerful positions. And not saying my mom was in a powerful position, but no other women that I really looked up to that either were of my color or of my background, but just of any, any color, color. <laughs> right? So the people that I saw, the women that I aspired to be were always white and always had straight hair and always had light skin. And Australia is particularly bad with representation. So I really had none of any other race, not even Aborigine, mm. and which is another whole other kettle of fish. So that meant that I was always trying to straighten my hair and, um, and I really wanted to have lighter skin because I wanted to aspire to look like and be like the women that I considered my heroes. And these were the women that were in magazines and on TV. And this is why representation is so important and diversity is so important because otherwise I spend my whole childhood and other other girls and boys will spend their childhoods, teenage years, even early 20s rebelling against their who they are yeah. in an effort to become more what but they see like in the media. But it's like seeing as believing unless you, it's the same and a lot of people find it easy if you're white to understand it through sexism. Exactly. Because we can see like, oh, I understand that actually, if you've only ever seen a man, it's like when you're a kid and all the kids' books say like, girls are princesses and boys are astronauts, you You never aspire to be an astronaut. So if you're struggling to understand like white privilege and you're a female, then that's a good way of understanding the reason that white men find it so hard is you have no grasp of any kind of marginalization. (laughs) So you're like, I don't understand this. To be fair, totally. (laughs) To be fair, I I did have that exact conversation um, with a friend of mine who, um, he's a personal trainer, he's really intelligent and he'd made the point of saying to me, he was sort of questioning, he's saying, oh, do you want to be known as as um, as a... personal trainer and represented in the media because you're of color and you're a woman or do you want to be recognized because you're intelligent and I was like actually I want to be recognized for all those Mm. things because they're a big part of me and I've spent so long I would say more than half my life denying my background denying myself feeling unattractive feeling less than um because of my race because of my curly hair because of whatever it might have been because I was a woman all those sorts of things so representation is really, really important and it's something that, as you say, it's difficult to understand unless it's happened to you. But we've got to try. And people get funny about, oh, where was it? I read a really good article about positive, positive discrimination and they were like, well, you can't hire... Oh, it was it was one of the football or rugby, I can't remember, one of those managers being like, you can't just hire a black football player just because they're black or something like this. And they were like, 
but there's just not a bigger pool of these people. Like the thing is, people of color, because if you go back to entrenched slavery and years and years mm-hmm. of of class systems and where the money is spread, it's inevitably spread throughout the white families because again, slavery wasn't that long ago. So the reach for people of color to be able to get into those industries in the first place is lesser. Yeah. And then if you're not putting them into representation, then it's just lower. And it's what people don't get is is it's the structural, it's all the system, it's the rungs of a ladder. There's so many points to it that platforming, I don't know how to explain it, it's really hard to explain. No, like, I, well, the fact that you even get it, it's, it's kind mm. of, it's funny. So Anoni and I have spoken so much about race and, and it even just, so I think we should probably explain what marginalization is because yeah. I've met loads of people that are like what is what does being marginalized mean yeah <laughs> so essentially it's any sort of group that's a minority that is sort of what would you say but so, they're not necessarily minority they're not even necessarily it's no, not that you're actually right. it's not numerically a minority it's no. that the way that your platform and the way you're put forward in society you would think if you watch tv that maybe 10% of the population in America was black. Right. It's more from representation, it seems but like a minority. But it's not true. It's not true. No, you're right. So it's yeah. like, it's marginalized because you're literally put to, well, if you think what a margin is of a, on a piece of paper, you're put to the side. Yeah. You're marginalized. Exactly. You're, you're subjugated to be a lesser thing. Yes. That's what it is. Exactly. So you're like and an so, afterthought. Exactly. And so women obviously have been marginalized. Yeah. Black women or women of color, so, you know, and whether we're actually trying to figure out whether that was what's the what's the politically correct the thing to say? I definitely I definitely say I talk about my color um, and say that you know I am a woman of color. Um, and I've had other black women say to me, "What is it like to be a woman of color in the fitness industry?" Or "What is it like to be?" So you know we refer yeah. to each other in that way. But I don't know. I don't know whether it's. PC I've or had not. other people say refer to themselves. No, no, no. I got okay. that's a lot. If I get a comment from a woman of color, she will <laughs> right. say, "I'm a woman of color." Yeah. That's the most used thing I'll get. I'm curious. I'm curious to know whether it is or not. Because actually, I was watching Bill Maher the other day, and he was referring to Trump saying something like, someone of colour, and... I think that, and Bill was like, ah, uh, hello, that's not even politically correct. But also, so who <laughs> decides what's politically correct? Because it changes yeah. all the time. It does. And I'm really hot on things. I'm actually quite good, like, making sure that I always know what things are. But you can get so caught up in it that you end up being completely silenced because you can't say anything. You're like, Ugh. And that's, I think, where we've got to with the race thing, where people are so scared of being racist because there's such a big shame attributed to it, which is what we were talking about. So then people don't even want to go there because they're worried about saying the wrong thing. But really just opening up the conversation is what so important which is why we've actually got many other lodges books out here with us we're using it as a point of reference why I no longer speak to white people about race it's a really good read I spoke about it on on the last podcast um yes. but it's so important that you realize that these that, that talking about race in itself isn't racist but that structural racism is something that is entrenched within all of us so people find this offensive but basically if you're born into the kind of westernized society that you are born into, you are raised in a way that perpetuates you to be racist. Yeah. Not in your not in your outward actions, but just in the way that you are. And and to, we were just talking about like how at school, we you were saying like your friends would say stuff like oh so I've been so I've been called horrible things that I would never that I actually feel so much shame to even say out loud. And and actually it took I can say it now without crying, but sometimes it's only because I've started to readdress it in my life. But I would have my friends would call me curry muncher, curry coconut, all these sort of things. So just for the record, if people are wanting to know why I have more melanin in my skin, <laughs> it's because in my body, it's because my mom is 
Fijian Indian um, and Samoan, and we think it's Samoa. We don't know which other island it is actually, to be fair. Um, and my dad is Australian, white Australian, but that means we have a huge mix. Mm. So actually we've done some like traces back and we've got Sardinian, we've got yeah. French, so we're a real mix. But um, on my mum's side, we actually have, it's her grandfather. So my great-grandfather was an indentured slave that came over from India, was sent over to colonize Fiji um, as an indentured slave. Or, or it's, it's actually not indentured slave, it's indentured servitude. But I call it indentured slave because they're technically slaves. Anyway, that's yeah. a whole other thing. Why was I telling you this? Oh, the reason I'm brown. Why was I telling you? Uh, oh, what I've been called. Yes. That's right. Yeah. So, um, so I'd been called all these sort of different things relating to the fact that I had Indian in me, relating to the fact that I was an Islander, so coconut. Um, and growing up as a kid, you know, I never felt like my friends were doing it maliciously, but it still made me feel extremely uncomfortable because I felt like an outsider. So it still made me feel marginalized, but I would hide it because I was a teenager and I wanted to be accepted. So a big thing in Australia... Australians are excruciatingly racist. Yeah. Just generally, there's no PC there. It's literally, you will call anyone out if they look slightly different to you and put them into a group. And so I grew up having to really grow a thick skin and just mm. deal with it and be like, haha, yeah, I guess I am a curry. Yeah. In fact, did you guys have school jerseys? Yeah. So like my friends were annoyed at me because I didn't put on the back that's my cat <laughs> I didn't put on the back that I was a um they wanted me to write on the back of it curry muncher was that so when they said that to you were they saying it and like um it was like meant to be endearing so yeah or was of, it in a bullying way it was sort of no it definitely wasn't bullying or really malicious it was more like um it was definitely like it was endearing but I, do, I think just intentionally how can it be ever endearing to yeah, marginalize no, someone? I agree. But and they I never think, question And that. I think what it is, is something that Renny talks about in the book, which is about um, the fear of the other. So it's almost like telling you that you should know that you're brown, which you obviously wouldn't have figured out on your own. So right. I'm going to tell you and remind you. But what I find really interesting we are talking about as well is when, when, and this is so bad, the, right, one thing you need to do as well, if you're white, if you're any person is not go, I'm not racist, but acknowledge the time. Be like, never say I've never thought that. Because I was saying to Shona, I always used to get into a taxi on the evening and go, where are you from, to the driver? Um, because they had a different skin colour to me. And they'd be like, Cardiff. And I'm like, no, 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 but where are you originally from? And now people might not get why this is like racist, but it's a microaggression, it's rude, because it's like, obviously you're from where you live which inevitably was going to be like some English speaking country, which is why they live there and speak English. But because they had an accent or something like that, you're like, no, but where are you from? And it's so, why do we have this desire to know like where someone's from? People are always like, but why is that racist? And it's racist because like, I'm not English and no one's ever asked. I'm not, my mum's got Irish family. My dad, my mum's all Irish. My dad's Hungarian. And because my skin color is the same, everyone's like, what's fine. So it's, it's just this really weird thing. Um, and I was saying to Shona, like, what do you say? Because she, you were saying, like, inevitably, everyone always wants to ask you that question, like, basically, why are you brown? But no one thinks you can say that. Totally. So, so I love messing yeah. with people, because I always say to them, they say to me, like, oh, where are you from? And I'm like, Australia. And they're literally, like, <laughs> imploding, wanting to say. And so then my next answer is, do you mean to say, why am I brown? And then they're sort of like, they feel very awkward yeah. about it. But it's like, yeah, I get it. That's what you want to Because you're say. not asking where you're from because you know where you're from because your accent's Australian. Completely. It is literally that asking 
why have you got a different skin colour from me? And why are we so uncomfortable with that is because we're entrenched with this idea of the exactly. fear of the other. Exactly. So that's the other thing is like I while I recognise that there is an importance of being politically correct, it also makes it even more awkward mm. for someone like me who feels the awkwardness of another white person who's really like can't acknowledge like there's this elephant in the room which is you are brown. <laughs> so it's like I know I'm brown. You know I'm brown, but you feel like you have to pretend like I'm not brown. This is right. So this comes into color blindness, which is so interesting. So this is a massive thing. Um, so people will be like, oh, but I don't see. This is a classic thing. Like, I'm not racist. I can't see color. Yes. Now, the only person that can say that is a white person because everyone, everything around us is whitewashed. So everything you see on the TV is white. Most of the people you see are white. So you don't see color because you feel like you fit all the time. But if you're, say, especially, say, like, in a big um, corporation company that's that's like I don't know a very white oh I don't know pretty much every industry is is hugely whitewashed isn't it so if you're the only black person in that room you're gonna fucking see that you're black black. like you can see that color so the only people who can say I can't see color are the white people so that's why color blindness is racist in itself exactly because in of itself you have to acknowledge because it's a luxury exactly and it's and it's not a you know we don't as people of color we don't have the luxury of being able to be like you know where I don't know that I'm black yeah because you face also as a white as a black actually I shouldn't be speaking like as if I'm a black I don't know what I'm saying (laughs) but I just feel like I just it's because I'm trying to explain like if you face I assume like as a woman if you face so much prejudice as a what so like I'll do it from a female perspective so like if you get catcalled every single day and you're reminded of your femininity every five minutes there's no way in hell that I can forget that I'm a woman and that exactly. translates into race. If you're feeling discriminated against because of your race on a day-to-day basis, you can't be like, I can't see that I'm black because people are fucking telling you. Totally. Just like as a woman, you're constantly told that you have boobs and you're like, yes, I, I, I'm well aware. I'm well aware of my boobs. I knew Thank that they you. existed. Yes, yeah, totally. Yeah. Exactly. So that's the thing. Yeah, it's one of these situations where I just, it would be great if we could talk about it more. I had someone write to me. I, I recently shared this quote um, and I, I'm going to read it. It's it's from Rennie Edelodge's book, Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race. And so um, it it comes actually just from the preface. It's not even really deep in the book. Can you hear her purring? <laughs> yes. Do you want me to send her out? <laughs> it's so sweet. Oh my gosh. So right now my cat is on, on the bed with us. Purring so loudly. She's purring so loud because she loves to talk about race and colour. <laughs> yeah. She's a rag doll. <laughs> this is quite funny so i had this one this one time this is so like um who is it it's actually um uh what's his name oh god i can't have forgotten his name he's my favorite um louis ck who got in trouble for masturbating in front of women i didn't know that yeah louis ck is one of my favorite comedians but he um yeah so he's he's sort of he's in the bad books because he um he exercised his power definitely um, for women who were trying to make something of themselves in comedy right. and would ask them if he could masturbate in front of them or, or, or like hold his dick in front of them. Weird shit like that. It's such a weird one. It's not even like a the Harvey Weinstein one. Weird it's stuff. like it's just such a weird one. It's like Louis, why? Yeah, come on. Because of hegemonic he masculinity. So I know. Yeah, he, 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 he's so freaking hilarious and intelligent. It was just so disappointing. Anyway. 
don't even talk about him. But basically, he talks about how he's like, I am definitely mildly racist. And I like the way he talks about it. And he says, when he's walking down the street and he sees a, a black person, you know, well-dressed and looking into, with a great job, he goes, hmm. That's the noise he makes. He goes, hmm, good. And he's like, I know it's racist. He's like, it's terrible. Oh, what and he's like, like, oh, that's interesting. Like, oh, good on you. That's <laughs> oh, what he's saying. Like, right. hmm, Okay. Yeah. Good on him. Like he did it, and it's. But what what's really interesting about that? It, it's it's a part of his his joke is that he's taking the piss out of himself, but he's also really highlighting yeah. the fact that it is surprising when you see someone of color yes. do well. He's highlighting the truth, and that's the problem with the world. Yeah. Is that there isn't enough representation of these people? So actually, white people are conditioned to also believe that black people or people and of colour can't be successful. there's that perpetuated idea of, oh, they're just lazy or they don't work exactly. that much. Or they're because you only see, like, the black person in a certain role, like, they'll be the janitor or they're the... hundred percent. The crappy job. Yes. Is is the black person. Like, that's what they're doing. Exactly. They're the lead role and the main person. I mean, it's happening more because people are talking about it and it's coming more into media a little bit, but only in the last, like, year. Like, really only in the last year. I was saying, totally. yeah, like, last night, Grace and I watched this film... Um, it was called Girls Trip and the whole cast was black and I turned to Grace and I went this is really bad but I think it's weird because everyone is black and I was very aware if that film had been the other way around and every single person had been white I wouldn't have even realised because everything is whitewashed and uh, what annoys me is I'm so hyper aware of this but I know some of my friends would be like oh my god no I so would have noticed no you wouldn't yeah no like you have to you have to not lie to yourself because we all lie to ourselves, ourselves all the time and are like oh, I'm not racist, but then if a black man was walking behind me down the street, I'd probably walk faster than if a white man would because I'm conditioned to believe exactly that a black man is more dangerous than a white man. And that is so entrenched of no fact other than black people have been put into a position where within society they can't work as much because they're not as high, like they won't get as many jobs, they can't earn as much yeah. money, so they're, they're not more likely to turn to crime. That is an idea that's put out there, but it's so exactly. well-versed. I know. That the, the collective conscious mind believes that the black man is dangerous. That is like the trope that has occurred. Well, the, and this is where we get into this issue of um, what's called respectability politics. Yeah. And and where you have other black people perpetuating these con- conditions. Mm. Like even Barack Obama, whom I love, if George Bush had said some of the things that he'd said, yeah. like pull your pants up, you know, stop eating so much jerk chicken or whatever he said to to other black people. In and his intentions were, I want you to do well. Mm-hmm. Here's what you need to do. But it's like, I want you to do well according to what the white man right. says is respectable. The other problem with Barack Obama is that what it did to America was people went, oh, we're not racist. We've got a black president. Totally. And then it and then the whole agenda to fight against racism. Well, this is why Donald Trump is in power. I really feel like Barack Obama was a gateway drug <laughs> to let the crack. Oh. I know he's worse than that. He's like crystal meth that is that is Donald Trump. Like that is because people went, Oh look, we're not racist. Our president is back. Well done us. Totally. And it was it was a really good shield to yeah. let people believe that they'd really done something good. It also really dichotomized America, didn't yeah. it? And just highlighted how under but also and also he couldn't do as much as anyone else because he had no one on his side. So he was in power but he had no power. Completely. Because everyone was on the other side to him. So so it was such a lie. It was such a farce. So this is another thing that I think and I don't know whether we can talk about it, but 
you and I briefly touched on the fact that when you get to a certain privilege in your life, you then have the luxury of being able to, Mm. and, and hopefully you do, turn around and say, oh, wait what is it like to be black? Mm. What is it like to care about the environment? What is it like to be vegan? And to start considering those things. But when you're struggling to survive in society, you have no money or you have no job or whatever it might be, it's very difficult to consider it from another perspective. Definitely. So I think it is definitely the responsibility of people who are in privileged positions to put more effort into understanding yeah. this stuff, which is and why I love you. forming more voices. Exactly. But the way that I, my mum said this to me, funny enough, about mental health once, she was like, you all, like your generation all have these things. And she's like, I didn't have time to know about my mental health. She was like, I was trying to work. And like work, right. like when she was little, she would work in a shop all the time. Her family had like not really any, like very much money at all. She wouldn't necessarily have that much to eat and she had to wash her brother's clothes because her mum was at work really late. Right. So my mum was like, I never stopped to think, am I okay? She was like, I never worried about, I never knew I've had anxiety. Yes. I didn't have time to have, an- and I know I'm not saying that mental health isn't a thing. What no. I'm saying, we're very lucky what I westernised certain People. echelons that's the totally. word i've been looking for echelons. love that word so certain areas of society are able to have more time to worry about but, but to consider yeah. that stuff to, yeah. to to start to be aware of it, it is a point of privilege to be able to think about certain things i completely agree so so that's a difficult thing is is when you realize because sometimes i feel like when you're in an echo chamber which is what the worst thing about social media is because of algorithms and I listened to someone talking about this the other day I think it was on Russell Brand's podcast but the guy was like Facebook think they're doing a really good job because they're, what they're doing is very efficient it's showing you the algorithm is showing you things you want to see mm. but what it does is say your opinion is that you voted to leave during Brexit then it's like oh you want to leave so you're going to see more people who want to leave so what it's doing you're only seeing that so it's bolstering your idea and going Mm -hmm. I am right everyone thinks the same as me so what I'm thinking is right totally but the reason this is unhealthy is not only in that instance but in life you need to be able to see other people's perspectives but what Instagram and social media which before was an amazing window like if you listen to journalists years ago when Twitter first happened it was like just journalists on there like no one else was really on there and they were like I'd never seen these other people it was like a window you could look through into all these different people's perspectives and it was amazing to see a huge range of like differing opinions and views and that was what social media was fantastic for connecting people all around the globe with really different opinions mm. what it does now is connect people all around the world with the exact same opinions and it, they're getting more and more efficient and better better these algorithms every single day are getting more information from you from your phone calls from everything it's freaky so it will perfectly calculate this world where you're like oh my god everyone everything's and everything's fine because everything's the same as me yeah and we were just saying, like, Shona showed me this video where this woman was talking about, like, why feminism is bad. And she was like, uh, this woman was pro-life. I've actually never met anyone who's pro-life. I've never met anyone who's... Oh, no. In Australia, there's quite a few. Oh, actually, really? Every Saturday, they stand in front of the abortion clinic. And um, they're, yeah, hardcore Christians that hold hold, um, hold banners and, yeah. and show pictures of, of dead oh, my God, yeah, fetuses and awful. things like that. So They've it, actually banned that in England now. The they? last one was the other day. The last... the last um, Protest or something. Picket, what are they called, like... Picket fat they're called something when they stand outside the yeah that was banned. I wonder if it's banned in Australia. Probably Amazing. not. No. Australia's too slow for that stuff. Yeah, I bet it's not. Yeah. Um, I was gonna read you this quote. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this is just in the preface. Um, it do you say preface or preface? I say preface. Oh, good. Okay, great. Me too. Um, I I found this so profound and 
goosebump inducing because I could really relate to it and I related to it growing up as a, as a kid. So here's the quote. When white people pick up a magazine, scroll through the internet, read a newspaper or switch on the TV, it's never rare or odd to see people who look like them in positions of power or exerting authority. In culture particularly, the positive affirmations of whiteness are so widespread that the average white person doesn't even notice them. Instead, these affirmations are placidly consumed. To be white is to be human. To be white is to be universal. I only know this because I'm not. Bam! Drop the mic! <laughs> um, I just... I thought she just put it so perfectly because I, I didn't, I didn't even think about it myself. Like I hadn't acknowledged that myself until I'd read her say it and was like, yes, totally. Like I am highly aware of, um, all of the, the positive perspective placed on being white or just people, white people in powerful positions or positions of success and just it being something that's so placidly consumed by other white people even me as someone of color mm. just accepting it i think that's the really weird thing when again i'm going to use saxon because i don't want to talk from a point of view as if i understand racism because i don't right but i sometimes feel like i feel like i can't explain it but i shouldn't so if that makes sense because you shouldn't i know what you i mean. shouldn't talk from that perspective but when it comes to it's like you know when you you have like internalized misogyny it's a good way of explaining it like when you and when you realize that this is what's so weird is this is why structural racism is so important to understand and when Rennie says in the book like white people are racist whiteness isn't really necessarily about color this is what we're talking about it's yes. like almost a way of thinking it's the hierarchy that we perpetuate and actually racism from like black people can be racist to black people like colorism is a big thing yes, isn't it within definitely. like interracial racism yes is massive and you'll also find like we were saying how sometimes I'll say something that I think I'm being like progressive in the way that I approach it to a person of color and because they have entrenched racism within them mm -hmm. they don't they think I'm being racist by wanting to talk about race totally. and they'll perpetuate the I, the racist concept which is really so this is why it's so difficult because there's so many layers to it exactly um and it's just so uh, it's it. This is the other problem with the echo chamber thing. It's like I talk about this, and and we talk about these concepts now, and you become so familiarized with them that you think it's normal, and it's so not normal. No, it's so not normal. It, it it's and it's sad how not normal it yeah. is. Um, and it does definitely make things difficult. But I think rather than constantly, so I'm on a bit of a mission at the moment actually to try and encourage more diversity at least within my industry. So more people of different races, genders, ages as well. Mm. Because, you know, as we were saying before, it's you don't really see anyone on Instagram over like 40 being represented other than Davina McCall. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? The thing for me is that I think that we need to just see more diversity represented in the media. But the problem is, is that it can't just come from the media because the media mm. are always going to support what's those in the zeitgeist have, exactly yeah they're going to support those that have following so it's actually both sides so as consumers of media we need to make demands to have that kind of diversity yeah, it's, it's the demands that create like the what are people consuming exactly and, so follow people that aren't 
just Especially white. Especially <laughs> now with influencer marketing because we have really taken mm-hmm. so much control. Yes. The consumer has more control than ever before because we can we can literally influence every single area of markets. Exactly. Just by who we're following. Completely. And so if you're not following people of different races, ages, colors, shapes, sizes, then, then what's going to happen is in the media and through brands are only ever going to choose those this small sort of group yeah basically and it's it's but you might even think like i actually now you just said that i'm just thinking like how many people of color do i actually follow right probably a very very small amount and i was literally thinking to myself how do i find more people of color and this is the problem because it's just like where do you find them they're they're not in the media so then you don't know platform exactly and then people that we do know we were just talking about a few influencers or people that we know that are people of color women of color and they're following us tiny compared to what it would be if they were white. And that's just fact. It it's is. just a fact. Their content has no difference. And you know, actually, do you know what we'll talk about? This is so freaking lols. But right, so probably one of the reasons why I even have a job as a personal trainer is because I, when the whole booty thing happened, is I followed that and wanted to get a bigger bum. And I never really take a picture of my bum anymore. It's not, unless like, I'm literally standing there. But my whole Instagram for a while was doing that like booty pose. Yes. Which is when my Instagram very, very start, first started to, to grow. grow. But why are big bums in fashion? Well, big bums are in fashion because the Kardashians. And what are the Kardashians doing? They're appropriating black culture because black women naturally have a bigger bum. Mm-hmm. But when black women had a big curvaceous bottom, it wasn't in fashion. No. It's only when white women started being like, I want a big bum, that that became... An, a sexualized attractive norm before that it was the heroin chic look I'm actually going to talk about this on a podcast with a psychologist so coming on to talk about Amazing. the Kardashians yeah because I just think it's fascinating but it is massive when you look at the, the body shape so one athleticism like genetically black women are more predisposed to be able to have a more of an athletic figure just mm-hmm. because of like the genes that they have um, and yet n- that was never seen as sexualized like think about the the way that um, Venus and Serena Williams have been were for years demonized and yes. really looked at as like yeah, atrociously unattractive in the completely. media. And now, like my body type, even just me, like I'm not that messy, but I'm quite take minus ten years. People are like, what the hell? And yeah. it's only when white women do something that it's like suddenly that's yeah that, that becomes I know completely and like, appropriate. It's almost I like know. it's only when a white person talks about race that white people pay attention. Yeah. If a black person talks about race, the likelihood is... It sounds like I'm whing- we're, we're whinging. Yeah. So I so I was recently at um, a Balance Festival, mm-hmm. and I was on a panel with um, Zana Van Dyke, Carly Rowena, Hazel Wallace, um, Ella Woodward, I was going to call her deliciously Ella, and Alice Living, and they're all wonderful women. So it's nothing against them, but what's the common denominator between all those women? They're all white. Right. And so I was the only person of color on that panel. Um, and at the end, um, Zana, the final question that Zana had sort of asked, said to the panel was, you know, what would you, what would you say to someone starting out? And so I gave my like one little, I said, I want to say two things. We were running out of time and I started to shake. My palms were sweaty. Um, and the reason that I was feeling so nervous about giving this answer, I was about to bring up diversity, uh, was because I was like, shit i sorry to swear on your podcast i just said fuck like four okay times. great great okay great so i i was sweating and feeling so uncomfortable because i was the the brown person making the statement about 
diversity and asking I was a spokesperson and I felt already on the back foot because I was like fuck it sounds like I'm black and brown and complaining that I don't have enough jobs so give me a job and that's honestly what I felt like but I wasn't I was trying to I guess preach for everyone uh, you know that has been marginalized at some point in their life and so anyway so what I asked was how many people in the audience p.s this audience was mostly white and there were like three people of a different race in in the a different race to white sorry when I say it's so funny how even my language is like white is default everything else is different it's so bad it's so bad so anyway so i so i basically it's especially bad in london if you think about it because it's such an amazingly diverse multicultural um city so um i said how many people in here have individual brands um and you're trying to build a brand not just like you're an influencer and about actually 60 percent of the audience put their hands up so there were a lot of like growing brands there Mm. so maybe they had like they were starting like a lotus seed company or they were going to sell like crystals or whatever and or soaps or whatever it might have been and so I was like you know what how many of you so they all raised their hand and I was like please when you start working with influencers consider representation and and representation of different races ages colors mm. i'm sweating my mouth is shaking like you know when you're about to start crying and you're like but you're angry crying and yeah. you're trying to this is what was happening to me and well because you know the white privilege people are going to be like well why are you bringing this up like, yeah why are you bring this up so yeah. i felt i felt conscious of the fact that i was making white people feel uncomfortable i was i know i was conscious of the fact that um I was brown. I, it was just all this stuff. And, and it wasn't until after the fact that I suddenly had to sit back and reflect on all of these emotions that I'd experienced while explaining it. And I was like, that's what's fucked up with society. I think a lot of people <laughs> will be very shocked to hear that a woman of your stuff, like you're so successful and you're in a, in a business that is like, like really influential. And you're also someone who obviously to what they think this is what people will find really weird to extrapolate is that you're obviously like completely westernized and you, you like have a, 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 a very like white world around you totally and yet when you're sat on a panel you feel your i think people feel shocked people don't understand because do. no one talks about it yes they don't know how much and how how much racism oh it's i, I can't even explain it because I don't, I don't know but i remember the first time that a, a, a black friend said to me like I, I know that I'm black all the time right. every room I enter and I was like oh my god totally so this is something and, and people do and people don't react with any maliciousness I mean I haven't had any yet but I definitely hear the shock in it's, people's voices yeah, when I say ignorance. exactly when I talk about you know how I felt ashamed of curly hair how I felt ashamed mm. of brown skin how I once said to my mom why do, why does our skin color look like I said why do you look like poo why do I look like poo you know things like that obviously I said it when I was little not when I was like in yeah. my 20s but it's like these sorts of things um people are shocked to hear that I had that experience so I think it's very important that it be spoken about. Yes. But coming back to that moment, I said brands need to work with different people because that representation is important. And what was really interesting was later, a lady came up to me, she was so lovely, but she said, the problem is, is that if, so I I have a, I think she had like a her, uh, an oil company, like she, not oil, essential <laughs> like, oils. like essential oils. She was wanting to sell essential oils. And she said that I have to use white people to sell my brand because that's white people only buy from white people 
And I was like, this is the problem with society. But this is what's so stupid is, do you think that everyone in the world is white? Exactly. Because I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm fairly certain that the majority of London is not white. It's not Am I wrong? White. No, but I think, exactly. I even think, I think less people, Probably. I think there's more people of colour and different races than white people in London. I'm fairly certain that's true. Which is what's so funny because it's like when they, I've seen this before in adverts and stuff where they say like, but it's not, people aren't going to relate. And you're like, what are all these class imagine how also well you know when they it's like when they don't make a foundation color that's like really dark right it's like you're a capitalist venture do you not realize how many people you're missing out on like completely like you're literally losing money because you're just not catering to part of society but why but why 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 do we not have that and 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 it's so funny because when you start to question it and it is again more prevalent and people are talking about it more but it's just everywhere it's, it's absolutely everywhere this lady was so lovely but she and she was and she even she realised as the words were coming out of her mouth what she, she was, was like saying. what she was saying and I was like but this is the problem mm. I was like we still need representation there's all these different races and different ages and she was like yeah and she was like well I'm Latina and I was like well there you go yeah. I was like don't you want to like feel represented don't you want to and she was like yeah 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 and I felt her pain because I was like I get it I know why yeah. you feel this obligation to have just white white women everywhere and, and because it's it, it it's just there was something really interesting that was oh, let me just check who it was because it was on Women's okay. Hour oh Jermaine Greer okay oh yeah yeah so it was Jermaine Greer and she was on Women's Hour and she was talking about isn't it funny that we're so scared of aging so let's let's bring up the concept of aging because no one really talks yes. about ageism very much um, just to tie it into all these, to, under, to kind of get like a better picture of how marginalization works. It's just race is the worst one because race is really born out of such severe oppression because of slavery. Yes. Everything else is marginalization, but it is never going to be, racism is so prolific, which is why as a feminist, we'll talk about this later. Yeah. You need to be anti-racist, like you need to be like really fighting against racism. Yes. But she talks about how we're so scared of aging that the women in the incontinence pad adverts are like 30 or the women with the anti-aging creams are 20 and it's like that isn't who's buying that product you're right so why are they putting really young women and she was like it's so funny when you watch those adverts because she said something like imagine that poor like 20 year old woman going back to her boyfriend with an incontinence pad like obviously she's not wearing that like why are you showing that to app it's it's like a it's it's a universal cognitive dissonance a cognitive dissonance is one of my favorite sayings i learned it when i was writing about um clockwork orange at uni and it's basically when you know two truths at the same time so you fully believe in two things at the same time so you like it's like you eat meat and you're like it's fine to eat meat while simultaneously knowing that you don't think it's okay to kill like to to farm yes you do those and i do this i do it all the time like i eat eggs and i know that i don't agree with how we get eggs yes or like dairy it's sort of like i love butter yeah I but also you can oscillate that... between the two things Completely. and some days depending on who you're talking to or what you're thinking you allow yourself yeah. it's it's actually a brain it's a survival thing that we're able to do for certain it's like certain beliefs it's really it's a really interesting concept but it's yeah it's called cognitive dissonance and it's amazing and the world does it for pretty much everything you have to do it to survive because if you actually really looked at the world like all the things i think you'd drive yourself insane like I don't think you'd actually be able to function day to day life because life is a contradiction because it's everything is ridiculous like you wouldn't be able to just go and buy stuff if you really knew if you really were able to appreciate the fact that someone's literally been killed in Syria you wouldn't be able to be complaining about the fact that you're they don't have your size in Primark you know it's what drives it sends yeah. me into an existential crisis me too this every is, day. you can't you can't <laughs> think about it but so going back to the point she basically said the representation is so funny because you're not selling it and and there was um 
what was it? It was something else that I saw. I saw this on Twitter actually. It was a girl that was like, it was like all hair types. And it was, this was about talking about hair and it was like, they had straight hair and they had quite curly hair, curly hair. And she's like, but it was falling down. And it was talking about how you fall down. She's like, I have an afro. My curls are so tight that people don't realise when you have a full, full, full fro, yeah. it doesn't grow out. No. It literally will be tight to your head. Yeah. She was like, it could keep growing. And if I pull it, it will be like six metres long. But literally, my hair will never grow bigger than an inch or like bigger than half an inch. Like it's so, so tight. tight. Yes. Because it's so tight. And she was like, that is not all hair types. So don't make sweeping generalisations and saying that you're doing an advert for all women or all hair types or all everything because you're not and we exist. And why do I not exist? Like, where are the people? And the problem, the reason why you don't exist or the why is because the person sat at the top of every single industry is a big, fat, white man. Every time. Without fail. So they never see because they don't know. They never see it. It was like the biggest, my most annoying, the thing that killed me was this L'Oreal campaign and there was a transgender mixed race. Rebecca, oh, Rachel, what's her name? So she was the face of the L'Oreal campaign and she wrote a Facebook post. I'll have to look it up because you'll be really interested in this. It was like last year. She wrote a Facebook post about structural racism. It was like why all white people are racist. And I read it and I'd, it was before the book came out but I'd read Rennie Eddie Lodge's blog post. versus blog post, yeah. Like years ago. So when she wrote it, I completely, I'd completely revamped and rechanged the way that I looked at race. I read it like, oh yeah, that makes sense. She was like, all white people are racist because blah, blah, blah. Anyway, she got dropped by L'Oreal. I remember this. Because they were like, that was such a, like, a divisive piece of... Li- but it wasn't. People are starting to talk about it. They're understanding structure. She was talking about structural racism. This woman is a transgender mixed race. That is so forward of L'Oreal. Thank God. Well done. That's amazing. But they dropped her. But she spoke out about racism. And and the, uh, the campaign that they were doing was about all skin types and diversity. Oh. And they sacked the transgender mixed race model. Which is why platforming is bad when it's done with the wrong intentions because those people weren't platforming this woman for the right reasons of we want a transgender mixed race person fronting our diversity no, campaign that they were going we want money driven towards our campaign and look we're being really forward thinking haha amazing money 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 oh sorry no i'm white and you've just insulted white people so we're gonna fire you that is what happened the guy at the top must have been white it was so stupid that was a diversity campaign wow and this is when platforming goes wrong i think because the only time when I don't agree with it, agree with it, is there are instances when it's done now, and this is very new. I see Instagrammers doing this where they'll be like, "Oh my god, look, so and so's doing like because they're trying to be progressive." Then again, in itself, maybe it never actually has a bad thing well, because like, it's virtue, still virtue signaling. Yes, like, being, yes, right. exactly that. Yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, and... And it's like, maybe that's never negative because they're still platforming. And the intention is like... Right. It comes down to this argument about... Because I I often have this debate in my head. Yeah, I grapple with it. I'm like, virtue signaling, is it bad? Is it good? Mm. I'm like, oh, well, actually, if a celebrity is promoting a charity and the fact that they support a charity, doesn't that influence like a million other people too? It's like, so is it really that bad? I know what you're saying. I think it's, it's like, it's 
it's kind of like what you were saying about what your segue into feminism was. It's like it started your gateway yes. into feminism. And so I think it's kind of like if, if it's, it's sort on of, the right path. If it's from, yeah, exactly. But it's more like when it comes with the corporation with L'Oreal, the reason that it was problematic there was because they they didn't they weren't they didn't keep her no and then they fired her yeah so do you start totally that's why it was wrong you're right no. when, it's, when it's like someone else putting something up it's like so if an influencer is talking about diversity yeah. and they happen to be white and they are virtue signaling who cares it's yes. kind of like it's when helpful. people decide to exercise initially because they're like I just want a six pack it's like great yeah. but don't stay there for that yes, reason that's true you then have to progress and realise actually exercise is beneficial for so many other yeah. reasons having a six pack is a tiny aspect and yes. it doesn't even really necessarily represent health so it's like it's kind of like that right and it's funny because I think a lot I got into feminism for a lot of the same so I was saying that I got into feminism and the my kind of first first in understanding because before I used to say when I was was as a humanist which me and Shane were laughing about because I was saying oh humanism is actually kind of like a way of thinking it's like basically there's no afterlife so you enjoy it so it's absolutely nothing Nothing to do with with like equality or anything it's like an actual like ethos nothing not relative I'm just while you're explaining this I'm going to google humanism and like read the definition because it's quite hilarious it is really funny and lots of people say this as well because they're like femme feminine but I got into feminism because initially especially when I started Instagram it was all about empowerment and I really thought that empowerment meant autonomy in my body which it does I still agree with this I still think you should and it actually a lot of it was about sex sexuality for me as well because I wanted to be like I I was brought up in the era of slut shaming massively right do you remember that? It's yes. not even really a thing now, but like, I mean, I'm sure it is, but compared to when we were younger, it was like such a thing. And I think my thing was like, actually, I want to be sexual and I want to be a woman and I want to be yes. all of those things. And that's where I got into feminism. Then I kind of realized that's not really the fight we need to fight. No, it's not where we need to put all our energy. In not, that, for, but... not for like 25 <laughs> captions a day about, <laughs> about why I'm doing a thong selfie, though, which is what a lot of it was. <laughs> Oh, this is and it's true and it well, like it was fine but now I'm like I'm so empowered that I don't even need to take a picture of my bum like I am empowered in my pride all the time exactly and that was the contradiction that I always yeah. felt because it was like isn't this like some sort of outward projection of, of like I'm empowered but secretly I also still want to I want to be objectified by, objectified by a man or I want to be valued and by and this is where the because I have a yes. really I have a really really clever friend who's fucking in Columbia it really annoys me she's gone travelling she's why I started book club because I wanted to talk to people about stuff like this but she would be like, I don't wear makeup and I don't dress up and I don't care. And I'd be like, but I'm doing it. And she was like, no, but no, no, you do care. This is why you're going out wearing a tight dress. And I'd be like, no, Beth, me and my friends are going out wearing tight dresses because we, it's our bodies. We do what we want. She's like, no, because you're There's dressing like a, up for a man. It's for a gay. She's like, you wouldn't do it if no one was there. She's yes. like, when you're in the house, you're home, do you wear makeup? And I was like, no. So it's all a question of intention. Yeah. And that's the problem is that we never really know. Only we what intrinsically can... know. But on from a society perspective, there's a million different reasons. So I've had this battle a lot of the time because coming from Australia, you know, I didn't wear makeup and I never really believed in wearing it because my parents, especially my, my dad was always against it. My mum didn't wear it. And then just it's totally impractical to have to go in and out of the yes. surf with makeup on. When I came to London, I feel like I felt like everyone, I still do feel like everyone still really wears it a lot. Mm. Um, it's a totally different culture and there are different reasons for wearing it. And I started to feel obligated to wear it because if I wasn't, it, I was, I almost felt this pressure of like, wow, she didn't really take care of herself. Yes. Today. She didn't put much effort in yes. today. And it definitely didn't un- mean it for people, me. Some people think it's unprofessional. It's unprofessional to, to be, not, not wear makeup, it, which right. is ridiculous because this is my face. It's <laughs> like, seriously, yeah. that's my actual face. Exactly. Like how is that unprofessional? You wouldn't say to a man, 
you look unprofessional because that's your face. Well, so this was the thing that irritated me. And I, I did have a conversation um, about this a long time ago with my manager. And I was, it was almost like, it was, it was a disagreement where I said, I do think makeup is a, an obligation from a beauty perspective. I do mm. think that people feel obligated to wear it and it's deeply conditioned. And she said, no, I think there are men, because I said, what frustrates me is that men don't feel obligated to wear makeup mm. at all. Like they do, they don't. There are men that choose to wear makeup, but because no, they, want they to, never but they, wake up and think, "Oh, I fucking got to put foundation on." I've got to put it on, and that's when I hate stuff like that. Same. It's the same when I ha- I hate beauty standards or fit body standards where it's like, "Oh shit, I have to lose twenty kilos if I want to be accepted on yes. the beach." Right? Yes. That's when it gets ridiculous. If you feel like you want to look that way because that's how you feel sexy. You still have to question the conditions around what you define as being sexy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, because I think this is what we're saying about growing up. This is the weird thing. So you get to the point of like, you make a choice towards some kind of activism or feminism, or you start to realize that you have a choice in certain things. Yeah. So I think it comes down to you realize that actually the things are a choice, but the, there isn't, there also isn't that much of a choice because there's so much conditioning around absolutely everything that we do. Like I cannot explain how much of a minefield it is trying to unpick it all. So this is what I was doing. I was like, I'm empowering myself by taking my clothes off. But why am I empowered? Because I'm told by the patriarchy that being, like, being sexual... Oh, it's really... I can't even explain it. Like, you're sexually liberated, but you're being objectified. Completely. And and you can't... And you're. it's it's really hard to explain. And the reason that, funnily enough, feminism... I was saying this to Shona, like, the more feminist I get, or the more I start to learn about stuff, the more I become the archetypal feminist. Like, I feel like I don't want to shave, I don't want to wear makeup, I don't want to, like... There's but, a rebellion there's, against... there's something in it where I'm like, I, I, actually, it makes sense. I understand why those women... Why that trope is there. But feminists don't... This whole argument of, like, this is what a feminist looks like and all this stuff is redundant because the argument that we should be having isn't about what we look like because that in itself is a patriarchal idea. It's like the women are fighting about what they look like again. You know, that's, and and we are perpetuating these concepts and the problem is they're so entrenched in us that we actually do all the things that the patriarchy says we do because we're told we do them for so long. Yes, exactly. It's really weird. And I I also have this thing where I genuinely think that we are put into this because women are women are the creators yes like women are the the ones that hold all the power so they've somehow got us into this really weird mind fuck like we're in a toxic Huge relationship with, yeah. with the patriarchy totally because they're distracting us so that we can't take over the world <laughs> and it's like what Rennie says in the book about uh, people having this, sca- this fear of like black people taking over white people Rennie talks about it a lot yes. And I'm like, that is so true. It's like, they're scared. I don't know why it's scary or why it be weird, but like, when she talks to Nick Griffin, do you I remember that phone call? <gasps> no, oh my God, she interviews him. And he basically says that he's like, he basically says he's scared that there'll be more black people than white people and they'll like take over. God, that's so Hitlery. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it that, is. That is just Hitler. And it's like the whole... He's basically reincarnated. It's the whole thing. It's this fear of the other taking over. And this is like the same thing with men. It's almost like... He did not say that. Yeah, that's it's... It. You need to get to the interview. Oh my God. It's yeah. awful. That's so yeah. awful and scary. But, you know, when we cut... It, it, it all comes down to fear. It yeah. It's all just fear-based. And because women were... And from a... from a, We are in a place of power. We just yeah. aren't aware of it. Yeah. Th- patriarchal society has been very clever at taking our power away from us through manipulation yeah. and the problem is when you say stuff like this it's the same thing with the racism people think you're racist as men think you're being like I know oh my god the patriarchy is men but it's not no Again, because women because women are patriarchal as well exactly so it's, it's, it's a way of thinking like the, yes 
the interesting thing about like, I'm not saying I, no. I, I definitely am not saying men because I'm not directing it at all men no. I'm directing it at some of the women not all hashtag not all men <laughs> but this is what um, is really funny about racism which I've learned from the book is so true racism isn't at all about people of colour it's about no. white people it's about white privilege it's about keeping white people elevated and sexism isn't about women it's about keeping men in power it's always the same thing it's about the oppressor staying dominant yes. and they do that by stepping on the thing that they're trying to dominate which is a classic trope of anything and and, and the problem with with racism is to overcome it you have to see it and acknowledge it yes and then introduce other people to seeing it and so by making it hush hush shameful that can't talk about it Exactly. So I think some of the tips for like not that I'm like this I'm not giving your listeners tips. No, I'd like you to. No, but I think it's like from just to give perspective or maybe what cuz I look I have to do it as well. Um I definitely fall into the trap of facilitating or enabling racism to a degree. You know, gr- growing up, you know, as a kid and enabling my friends to call me curry or to call me you know curry muncher or whatever it might be is enabling that racism. So it is, we need to make the conversation louder so that we can actually resolve it. Like, if you harbor all these feelings about the differences between yes. you and me and don't talk to me about them and don't try to understand my perspective because you're too scared to ask about race or call out the fact that I'm brown, you're white, then we're going to have this issue of, like, never getting to the crux of the mm. problem. Whereas if we both accept, yes, we're different colors, yes, we come from different backgrounds, and you acknowledge the fact that yes, I was, or my my people, whatever, my race were marginalized, then we can talk about it. Yeah. Exactly. And I can give you my perspective. But what we were talking about was so funny as well. Is I hate that it's black and white. So I was literally saying that imagine you get on your, you know, when you go on a, a color wheel on your laptop. Yes. Say so you pick like brown, so you get the darkest brown. And if you just slide it up to the creamiest brown, that is the color scale of humans. Like we're not white and black. No. And the problem is, it, it's, it's within inanimate things as well like heaven and hell white being clean brown being it's the connotations that we attribute to everything there is racism entrenched in every aspect of the world any piece of literature you read if you read anything there's racism and the more you start seeing it you cannot escape it it's really scary yeah how much it's it's there and we were talking about it was a woman. Who was it that wrote that uh, Instagram post? The editor of Vogue. Elaine. Oh, I love her. Elaine Whitworth? No, not Elaine. Let me wait. Let's get her name. Elaine Welterer. So I, I'm sure you shared this, Shona. You don't think you did, but I'm sure that you did. I didn't know that I did, but... Um... Unless I saw that you liked it or something. And anyway, I started following her and she wrote about the fact that people were commenting on the fact that, that Meghan Markle is biracial rather than saying that she is black or like just generalizing and she was saying it's really positive that people are starting to realize that like biraciality is a thing mm. rather than being like somebody's mixed race is black because with the weird thing is we default if someone is mixed race we call them black yeah you call them the color that they like the color the color rather than the whiteness <laughs> right because if i like it which is really strange so say mm. you were like like well, me you, for example like you're indian yeah totally no they don't they, they wouldn't like, be like you're white <laughs> no they won't be like you're white no because it's like which is, well you're definitely not which, which is, is so weird which is why people white people can't say they're colorblind because you're fucking not yeah, yeah you're not you're just not yeah you know when you look at me you see that i yeah. have more melanin yeah that's it it's so, so stupid but we were saying the problem the thing that's really really sad and it might be true the reason they pointed out that Meghan Markle is biracial is to point out that she's in fact 
not all black <laughs> she's right. got whiteness and that is so sad but when you start reading the world like this from this view as sad as it is you start to pick up on things and i think it makes you able to the other thing right so one other you got to not be scared of so i'm kind of going i'm trying to like get around this point is so I'm annoying when it comes to PC things in that I don't care about telling someone you can't say something. So something that a lot of our friends used to sit at school is retarded when we right. were younger. Yeah. So if I meet someone and I'm talking to them and they say that's retarded, I will, without even thinking about it, go, I'm really sorry, you can't say that word. Oh, I thought you said you don't tell people. No, no, no. I no, don't have t- any qualms. In I will telling go, people, don't say you that. You can't say that. Yep. You shouldn't say that. Mm-hmm. If someone says that's gay, I'm like, I'm really sorry, you can't say that. And I'll try and think of, like, I'm like, say that's stupid or that's ignorant or whatever, but don't say that word. Yes. And what people are scared of is when you know that, they feel like it's always good to try and do that. And I know that it might sound scary, but if you think someone's saying something that isn't right, be like, actually, I don't think, I'm not sure if you can say that. Maybe say something, because that's always going to have a positive impact. Exactly. But I feel like people don't do that enough because we're too scared. Yes. But I will say something. Like, if someone says something that isn't... Is that quite British? Is it quite British to be scared to say Yeah, that's not okay? I think you just can't. I think, because I think there's so many different levels of understanding, and I think that a lot of it is people be like, but I'm not, it's not malice, so I'm not going to correct them because I know they're not being rude. Or I know they're not saying that to be mean. Mm. But it doesn't really matter what the intent is because they're using something which is a negative, you know? So can I tell... Like, I have a really weird relationship with politically correct... Being politically correct. So do I. I Because I'm Australian. I I do think it's because I'm Australian. And in Australia, there's no... Like, PC is... I mean, what does that even mean? Mm. So no one knows. There's no... It's really about breaking down the PC walls. And so... The thing that I feel uncomfortable about with politically being politically correct is that a who defines yeah. this, but b is that it creates this very uncomfortable Censored. situation. So, yeah, it's censored and it and it makes so. I've been in situations where um, someone has been not politically correct in an audience of people that are politically correct, and they have said something uh... about me or me being brown or someone of color and made a racial slur against mm-hmm. them right and what i have to say is that it made me feel, i had to run away and cry it made me feel very uncomfortable because i was like uh all the politically correct people are feeling uncomfortable and feeling sorry for me that's what it made uh, me feel like and you don't want to be felt and sorry i don't for. want to be felt sorry for it's cool i'm a big kid i can handle it he's just being fucking racist do you know what i mean so it's like right this is where it's like very difficult i i, I see what you're saying so you're saying that like that it's not about the words he's using it's about the fact that he actually is being a, a racist yes it's not so exactly. like if the intent again it's down to the intent it's down to the intention so but then I agree, you know, politically being politically correct is about respect and it's about respecting how someone well, feels about I, it. So I agree that like you can't say, you know, oh god, I was so wasted and so retarded. Like yeah. that's messed up because you're associating something negative exactly with something else, right? And same with gay. It's like yeah. if someone's gay, it has nothing to do with something being bad. Stupid, yeah. Or stupid yeah. or whatever it might be. So it does come down to the way the word is being appropriate but the the, the thing I have I guess from a point of privilege or what I'm trying to do because I realise that I literally am in the one of the most privileged positions that I live in the UK from a middle class background I'm white cisgendered like I literally couldn't get more lucky just on those basis let alone the fact that the industry I'm in and there's so many things so I'm like there's one thing I can do it's allocate the language and the way that yeah. I'm doing to make yeah. sure that I'm not offending anyone that's true. because so that's how I see it because my mum's yes. like you you 
you're too booked because I'll tough off. She's not being rude, and also sometimes I'm a bit annoying, so I, I, I get. But also from where I'm sat, because I've started to do this on Instagram, I've cultivated an audience of very, very politically correct people. So right. I once said something like, I was talking about being woke, and then I found out that woke could be cultural appropriation. And I, so I looked it up. Then they talked about it on The Guilty Feminist how woke was used to be used by like African American communities in America talking about like being woke to the police. So technically, we've Oh, taken that word but apparently it's it, yeah apparently it's a different it's meaning though surely so yeah so it is but it is it's still translation i was like that's really interesting and then later on that same day i put something and i messaged a friend on instagram and she replied something and i put lol triggered and put it on my story and then someone replied to me and went um you can't say triggered because that might affect someone who like it's it's annoying because people who have actual trigger warnings. You're undermining the what use of the word trigger. Yes, I used the I used it once. I said OCD. Yeah, and then someone so, wrote to me and said, I, I can't believe your uh, what did she say? Um, it really stuck with me because at first, my, obviously, my my ego, my back went yeah. up, and then I was like, no, no, actually, that's so true because I've actually I've met. I've actually worked with, I had clients who were obsessive, had obsessive Lots of people disorder. misuse that word. And they term. totally, um, what do you call they it? Always, people always What's say, the they use it for cleanliness. Trivializing. Oh, right, yes, yes. They do use it for, for cleanliness. And, and it's and, not related. And it's not related to that. Obsessive compulsive disorder. It's just can, obsessive. Is obsessive, so it can, it can manifest in so many different yeah. ways. Um, right down to like needing to take your sock on and off. Yes. Like 20 million yes. times. Which has nothing to do with being clean. Exactly. So, yeah, it's one of those things that where we trivialize certain but, things. So what was really funny was I have I then went and put their story up and I went, I'm really sorry, I didn't know this. I just screenshot what the person said to me. I was like, this is ah. interesting. You guys might want to know that like triggering, we probably, let's not use this anymore. Yes. And everyone was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then everyone was like, oh, that's cool that you said. And I was like, because it's just, I just didn't know that. And then, so then people do that a lot. And then this guy replied to me and he was like, for fuck's sake why are these people like getting annoyed? and I was like why are you annoyed like I I really I'm not offended by that my, a lot of people around me you're not offended me, by someone telling no, you no and I right. don't even think it's annoying because I think there's so many because usually it's words as well there are so many words in the English language that you could use I just don't know why it's annoying and it's so funny that people are like I can't believe that I can't because for me out of everything you can do I just don't think it's a big deal and I find it really weird that it, it's like, it's a point of privilege to be able to use like whatever word you want to use anyway. And if someone's yeah. insulted by something, like why? But then it, that's a very isolated thing though, because then when it's political correctness in terms of actual conceptualizing stuff or actually being t- able to talk around a topic at all, I found that I feel, even on Instagram, like so censored. Right. Oh no, completely. Mm-hmm. Like, and this is like I you mean, can't there are two, say anything. You cannot say anything yeah. because at some point someone is someone's going to gonna feel. disagree. Completely. And so this is this is the problem that we're sort of coming into. But I think that we're not going to know what offends someone until we are willing to say it mm-hmm. and then get perspective. So, for example, if I am to say um, I, th- this is something that I personally, as a personal trainer, have a lot of issues with, is when I talk about body shape or size so I might say something like even utilizing the word obesity now I can get in trouble for because it might offend someone because it's deemed as a derogatory word now from a health perspective it's factual it's just to me it's factual because it's I'm saying these are health markers that quantify what calls someone what makes someone obese Mm -hmm. now society has made that a negative thing. But I'm just being talking about it from a, 
is a Medically negative thing. Medically is a negative thing from right. a medical perspective. Right. Not from a beauty standard no. necessarily. And so this is what I'm saying. They need to not be conflated. They need to this not. This is the problem exactly. with body positivity that like. Yes. Body which positivity. I don't. I literally said that and I went. You're like. Ugh. Right. You can't say it's problematic because basically anything that is championing something that is subjected or marginalized. You cannot pick faults in it because you're like. I want that to be a thing. Yes. Like I want to help the marginalized groups, which are fat people. Also, the fact that you can't say someone is fat when it's true is very weird. We yes. need to stop making saying like you are fat or you have fat shouldn't be any different from saying like your hair is blonde. It's just a totally. fact. We really need to strip that weird. Yeah, the, the F word. To talk. It's basically the F word. Yeah. It's like it's uncomfortable to say fat basically and so that definitely needs to be broken down I think the issue is is that when you're a trainer and you're coming at it from a medical perspective Mm. or just a health perspective and you want to say something along the lines of and I'm just speaking from experience I want to say something like here's how you can lose weight Mm. or you can lose body fat or you can improve your body composition yeah (laughs) which is what I have to say now I'm not ever talking about it from a beauty standard perspective because all shapes and sizes are beautiful. And the truth is, is that all shapes, there are not all shapes, but you can be healthy, not all shapes, shapes, (laughs) not all shapes. You can be healthy at a different shape to what beauty standards have defined. Yes. Right. But there are definitely health markers. Yes. If you fall be. below a certain weight or above exactly. a certain weight, you're going to be impacting your health much in the same way you would be if you were smoking or exactly. taking excessive drugs or anything else. Exactly. So this so this is the issue. I can't even remember why we're talking about it. I have to tell you, I'm going to be really honest with you. I'm sitting here um, and I have like this little bit of anxiety about the response you're going to get to this podcast mm. because I know that discussion on race really gets people's backs up mm. you know i think because it holds a mirror up so i i think this is what it's because i've spoken to people like family members about structural racism and i it the, the immediate response initially is anger it's actual like i am mm. not right it's an indignant defiance that they do not believe because people aren't intrinsically if i've learned anything people aren't bad people society in general mm. aren't not everyone out there is a bad person but it's going, it's basically going for the whole of your life, however long you've been alive, 20, 30 years, you've literally basically put a penny into this pot that is funding white power and and racism, which no one wants to believe because that's painful. And I can't, I'm trying to remember how I reacted when I first read Rennie's blog, because when I read the book, I'd already kind of come around. Yes. But I think when I read the blog, I can't remember now, but I'm, I'm sure that when I read it, I would have been like, what the fuck? I'm not racist. Yes. And it's it's that first, it's like swallowing a really big pill. Totally. Because what it is, is you've got to hold that mirror up and go, oh my God, I am, I am not, basically you are not just your actions, you're the absence of action as well. So oh, that's the problem. Beautifully put. That's what it is. It's not what you're doing, it's what you're not doing and what you're not saying. Yes. So you could go through your life and be like, I'm not racist, I've never done a racist thing in my life, I've never been rude to a black person, I've never been rude to an Indian person, I've never done this. But you've probably also never once Tried been to in a position where you've been like, I'm going to platform this person because they haven't spoken, or I'm going to, actually, I shouldn't be in this place. Why are there not more black people in my workplace? Why aren't there any black teachers? Why is there no one black doing this? Completely. Why is there no one or like? Just, or just even trying to, uh, you know, and I'm talk- also doing default black as well, as, right? And I'm the basically talking no, about. No, but like, you said Indian. You said Indian. You gave us an. I know. 
<laughs> but you know that's awful because it's not just black and white either there's a right. massive Sorry, scope in the middle scope. exactly i was doing like default yeah default black but mm. we know what you we know what you mean but but rennie talks about it as well where she got into the, the reason she sort of started to inquire about um questioning racism in general was she started to inquire about um black history in britain and um, she did it with her and a friend. Um, and her, when her friend dropped out, she said something didn't sit with her. And her friend was white. And her friend said, you know, it just didn't, you know, I just didn't relate to it. And that upset her because it was like, but this bad stuff has happened. Mm. It would be like, do we not owe it to those people to understand it? And yeah. that's something that even, I, I, I think that should come across. I think even black, brown Puerto Rican, Asian, like we should all just, whatever color race we are, we should try to understand the history of our people, um, even if we're white or we're brown, mm. because actually that we owe it to those people who went but through that stuff. Also, but especially white the people. The weirdest thing is we're <laughs> stripping race away from it for a second, like just decolor us or whatever. No one, pretty much no one in the world is one Ident- like from one place which is why race is the weirdest thing because like as I was saying like you're just not so like you said our people the fact that that woman girl wasn't interested in the history the black history was that because she knew that she was the oppressor or not she was but that white people were yes. the bad side of it is yes. that why there's that indignation and, and lack of wanting to know I think there is that I do I, I think there's definitely I find it hard. I, you know, when I when I watched um, The Power of One, like, wait, I think I was, like, 19. I, I have trouble watching racial movies where they go into racism, and I sit there crying, and I just get angry because I'm like, God, I just end but up really dehydrated. But I think when you think about, like, colonising, <laughs> when you think about everywhere that we've colonised and, like, everyone that we raped, pillaged, and killed, like, British yeah. people are the worst. Right. Like, literally every... And we think but we're such what, a great nation, and, like, it's not true. Right, and so it's very confronting. And what I'm saying mm. is even when I when I went back and watched um, a few documentaries on indentured slavery from India, um, and, my you know, it goes into my family just, you know, really close, actually. My great-grandfather and great-grandmother, um, they were indentured slaves that had come to Fiji, which was colonised by the British, um, to work there, and they were basically slaves. And when I was watching this, I felt such shame that I had shunted my culture so much mm. that I'd really tried to push it away that I was like, no, I'm not Indian. I'm, I'm Fijian or I'm, I'm from some, I'm, you know, I just kind of be like, I'm Brown. I, I really tried to push it away because I felt such shame about my, my Indian heritage. Um, that it's like, I understand why white people might not want to go back and watch it because for example, Let's just say one of my one of my exes, white white man. He doesn't want to look at it because he's like, well, I didn't do it, and I don't feel that way, right? Mm. But it's like I know you didn't do it, but you have to try to understand. You are a product of it. You're a product of it, so you have to try and understand out of respect, mm. and not even just out of respect, but it is going to help eradicate racism as much as possible if we can all see the different perspectives it's the problem is that conditioning is even as a concept conditioning is so hard to explain because it's like you don't even it's basically what you've got to realize is that you are not an individual in as much as you think that you are yes so what you're thinking is as much of your environment as it is your it's the nature nurture thing it's we're both and 
you are a product as much as you are an individual being and you might think that everything you're doing is like an individual choice choice, and it's really not because it's so much going to be governed by not just your parents but your parents are governed by their parents and it goes back and back and back and it really probably doesn't change like I think now but I bet everyone thinks this and I say sweeping generalizations like this and probably sounds so ignorant but I always think that now I'm feeling like a massive shift but I think this happens actually in every generation yeah, I guess it does. Yeah, it probably does. Do you does know what do I mean? Like, but I think it's like, because like, you're in it, you're like, <laughs> yeah. it's happening. It's happening all around me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't know whether we, you know, I think every generation probably does go through a shift and that's the that's the natural progression of our human society is that we do have moments of liberation and mm. like moments of, of awakening, which is awesome. Um, it's just like looking at like how veganism has come around. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Looking at how we've treated animals for so long and trying to understand that more. So that's been a huge, huge shift as well. I just think that we need to stop being afraid to talk about race. Mm, I agree. I just think it needs to be something that we do talk about. And, and you know, the, I po- did a post which you saw um, and it was referencing that Rennie quote that I read to you guys already. But I basically said, um, do you guys think that there is enough diversity in um, the fitness industry or represented in the media in wellness um, and in health and fitness? Um, And what was disappointing was that there were any no's. So a lot of people Mm. were saying, no, there's definitely enough. Basically, they were saying, no, there doesn't need to be any more representation or diversity. And that is sad in and of itself. Um, and when I, just for the record, I can see whether you've clicked yeah. no or yes. So, so I don't know whether you know this. So I know the people. And what is even worse is just that there was not a single brown, colored, Asian, different race, anyone else that had been marginalized in that no crowd. It was all white people. And then I had even direct messages saying, um, I would, I had, I had experienced reverse racism growing up. I grew up in a, a black community and, and experienced reverse racism and, or what, whatever it might be. And it's like, oh, but like we talked about, you can't have you can't reverse have racism. It. And do you know what the other problem is? Because do you remember this whole idea of like tokenism? So you'd have like yes. the token black person or the token yes. woman on a, on a panel show or whatever. And I genuinely think that people believe that like having one person is enough. Is diversity. And that, exactly. And diversity will only really exist when I can watch that all black cast film and not react and not react and, and not, not feel and like it's not like I reacted women. and I was like I just it just wasn't normal exactly it was new to me that's 100% and it. that is when diversity will be normalised when you can have yes anyone on the screen like ableism as well is another massive thing yes like yes. if you had like when do you see disabled people you don't and they exist it's that other thing that disabled people talk about there's been a few campaigns about it actually where they say um, we're not invisible because yes. I remember being told as a kid, don't look. don't look, don't look because children are so honest and they will stay and they do. This is the point. It comes back to it again. It's like, we have to honor the differences mm. and be okay with them and be able to speak about them, but then still acknowledge that there is a human in there. Do you yes. know what I mean? It's like, yes, we can all have And children are learning and we should, that's the point when you should go and you're like, yes, they've got like a disability and this is this and go and speak to them. The first time we, I, when I was just, I lived in the great district and I'd never seen a black person and the first time I saw a black woman I said to my mum there's a chocolate lady over there because I never and I just assumed that she must be made of chocolate and my mum was like fuck what do I can't say? say like what do I do and I think the woman was just really nice and like laughed and thought it was funny yeah well I t- I, my mum always tells me the story about how I came home and said you look like poo 
horrible. But I wasn't, didn't mean anything no. mean. I was just like, why do you, why is your skin color the color of poo? I also used to think, and if only it were true, that my <laughs> breast milk would be caramel flavored. <gasps> and that white people's would be strawberry flavored because their nipples were pink. pink. And that mums gave chocolate. So funny. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Yeah. So um, sadly... I think that's not true, but I think we need a few more randomized clinical trials. Yeah, to find that. that because that we don't true. know, because babies aren't going to tell us this tastes like chocolate. To be fair, my sister maybe drinks some of her breast milk. Okay, cool. Did it taste like strawberry? I don't know, it had a very small amount. See, that's the problem. I didn't do it straight from the boob. <laughs> it was like an Sadly, no. <laughs> like, I didn't really know. Yeah, I think it just tasted a bit like milk? milk, yeah. What, like cow's milk? I can't really remember. I haven't had cow's milk in so long. I had something with it the other day by accident. Did you? And it, I was like, what? Yeah, it's, it's so weird. Crazy. And now when I have dairy yogurt, because I do sometimes if Matt has it, and I think it tastes so overwhelmingly of animal. Yeah, really. Sort of like when you have goat's milk or something, yes. and you're like, oh, it's and so I can like, like and I'm like, I like the texture yes. of skier. Like I'm like, I love the texture of skier, but I'm so used to having soy yogurt that I'm like, <laughs> I'm drinking yeah. from the teat of a cow. Yeah, yeah I know it's, it's so weird. odd, isn't it? And it's weird because all of these like feminism, veganism, anti. I wish there was like a positive for racism for racism yeah what there isn't is there no uh humanism that's funny it's not yeah yeah but yeah so all of those things if you get if, if you think about it enough if you were like not cognitively dissonant you would be a vegan feminist anti-racist because even veganism is very weirdly tied into um, feminism equality equality for every being exactly and everything like that oh and we haven't touched on this but Brenny talks about I quoted it, I think, in the last podcast, actually, about feminism and, and racism. And the reason why feminism and racism is so intrinsically linked, it's what I was saying. It's like, yes, women face sexism, but the most marginalised people, the worst offending situation is racism. It is the worst. Because women, yes, we're degraded and we got a high chance of being murdered and raped and all of these things. Women of colour are prejudiced against so much worse, but it's so much worse. And we just, just people of colour in general have this history of absolutely awful... Yeah. And, like, the chart... It's just... It's really hard to even, like, articulate, but... No, I think you articulate it right. If you, if you, if you are a feminist, you should, by proxy... Well, the point is, you cannot be feminist if you're not mm. also pushing... Yes. Anti-racism. Because feminism has become uh, a white middle-class fight. The thing is, is that even if it does come from middle-class white women, that's fine. They just have to also acknowledge anti-racism. Please platform it. So, tips, homework. Go follow women of colour on Instagram in whatever interests you have. So, even if you're sort of, like, whether it's fashion, fitness, you know, beauty, wellness, even if it's, especially if it's beauty, like, a lot of the time it's sort of like, oh, but I don't want to follow someone of colour because they're going to be using different coloured makeup. But it's like, no, there's definitely beauty aspects that we yeah. can still relate to um, that that need platforming. If you are of color, try to broaden. I, I had to do it because I realized that I was following only white women as well. Really? <laughs> yeah, like all fitness women. I really didn't know everything any. everything is so whitewashed though. We just think totally. white is the default. Like it's totally. so bad. I had to ask Grace. I was like, Grace, can you... Yeah, like, tell she's me. so good. But Grace this is, is why, amazing, but... This is why racism, you have to understand, racism is all about white people. This is why I know it sounds back to front, but it's all about white privilege. Totally. So, it, it, you know, it's one of those things where I'm so... Even I'm sometimes conditioned to not be aware mm. of it. So it's this homework isn't just if you're white. It's like, actually, anyone just try to diversify your following 
Uh, sorry, who you follow. Yeah. Sorry, not your Also, follow. I don't want this to sound like... Because I, every single day, learn... It's like the minute you start doing this, you see it more and more and more and more yes. and more. And I don't want to sound... Because there's probably people listening that are like, you literally have no idea what we're talking about. Like, this is the beginning of my journey. I've only come to... I only came to feminism quite right. late. And like... Totally. This but, is, but same this with is, me. Only the last like four, three, four years that I've really... And, and even within that, then in the last year to the last six months, I've really started to like yes. actually seek out things. I yes. let things come to me and I would absorb them, but now I actively try and find like an argument against something. So I'll be like, I, for instance, got really into Zadie Smith's argument about not wearing makeup because I'm a bit of those aggy people. Mm-hmm. And then I found this counter argument that were like actually makeup's so important in the trans community because trans women are murdered oh, all the yeah, time when people don't when they find don't look feminine enough this also comes down to like if you want to go further like why we have such binary ideas of what femininity and masculinity is and gender and so it's it's a massive minefield and everywhere you go you'll go down another rabbit hole but there's always i just think the best thing you can ever do is find something if you just read an article you like and just try and find the counter argument because that's the hardest thing to get at the minute is to find an opposition even on instagram when i was saying about repeal the eight like we were saying, there must be a huge number of people who are pro-life on Instagram. And the worst I got was people going, it's a bit controversial to say you're pro-choice on Instagram. Which I was like, no, it's not. But actually, I could have, I should have, if algorithms weren't there, have had a huge influx of people being, like, like arguing with me. Yeah. It's what I, I think, so I think at the end of the day, and, and I agree with you, like, I am very new to going on a journey of understanding Mm. feminism even understanding you know race and racism is something that's very difficult for me as an Australian it was something I never thought about until two years ago you know in London you know it was something I started to address because I realized that I would always bring up in every single conversation the fact that I was brown it was like I was trying to be like hello elephant in the room I'm brown everyone is that okay it's cool I'm just telling you I'm brown I know you know I'm brown and I'm brown and it was just this thing where I really felt like I had to bring it up almost like I was trying to wear a weakness as my armor so yeah. it could never be used against yes. me yes so even though being brown is not a weakness no, but, I think but that's what i thought in my head it's that 100% it was. that i even this to use a really shit example but like um if you don't feel that good or feel a bit you're like oh my god i know i don't look very good <gasps> yeah it's like doing it before anyone else can say it to you totally as a dick. exactly like so you're like hey just, i've got a massive pimple yes oh it's something like that you know what i mean but imagine feeling that way about being brown every yourself, single day of your life. Yeah, and your so like and and that is a good way to actually kind of understand how it feels. So yeah. imagine every time I open my Instagram to do a story and I was like, check out my skin and I'm brown. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like so it's, it's true. It's so So my manager, who is um an incredible feminist, um, but also I want to say a racialist. It's not right. I, mean, I, I know, know we, we need a word. Need a word. There must be a word. Should we invent one? Yeah, what could it be? Like like, but the humanist sounds so perfect. Race file, race of file. Right, because you know a file race means like file? to love. Oh, I didn't know that. Because you know you have phobe and file. So this is, oh you yes, know, like, file. file, yes, race of file, race of file. <laughs> sounds sounds sort of semi legit. Okay, so um, campaign live. Ethnic minorities should tell themselves that they are part of the solution. So, Sir John Hegarty. Um, this this whole article, um, I need to probably like try and send you the notes. really incredible quote. Um, and he talks about 
the fact that diversity is incredibly important, not just for our industry, but for the process of creativity. Creativity absolutely thrives on diversity. The more influences that come into mm. you, the more incredible your work is going to be. Wherever you come from, wherever you're, uh, whatever you're doing, wherever you are in life, you've just got to keep saying to your, uh, keep saying that to yourself. Um, and he said, so he also says, if you come from, you know, people talk about ethnic minorities. This is a quote, by the way. I loathe that phrase. I talk about ethnic essentials. It's essential for creativity to have ethnic diversity. What you've got to say to yourself is I'm a part of the solution. And it's so, I love that yeah. ethnic essentials. It's so true. It's like creativity stems from diversity. A hundred percent. That's what he's saying. And also the word minority in itself is derogatory. It's, it's yeah, subjugating. Like it's just, going like, it's you're just, yeah, it's just going, Oh, you're just a minor. You're just a side note. Yeah. You're just a sideline. You're a cute little minority. How cute. And it's so, <laughs> yeah, it's really ridiculous. And that's why it's so like the line, this is what I'm saying. Language in itself is so powerful and important. You don't realize how many things. I think it's really important to question the language that you commonly use, mm. and and it's something for everyone. It's it, it, we all need to do it because, like I said, like I even was like using the term curry manja for myself, like yeah. announcing that that's what I was. Um, and part of that was because I felt like I definitely deep down was not okay with that term and felt very uncomfortable about it, but. I would also bring it up and use it and also, colloquialize it. The thing it was in, very... um, the book when she's like, black people can't talk about race because you have to make the white man comfortable because the white man is the pace of yes. power. And she uses white man as the default to be like, because also it's always the man in the default, but it's like, even if a black person wants to talk about race, the white person then feels uncomfortable and the white person is in the place of power so you're like fuck I better not talk about it actually because I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable because yes. they, they could oppress me. They could. Which is what I find very very interesting about the way that I'm feeling right now as we have this is that I'm nervous about the reaction not because I'm nervous that people are going to be saying you know wh whatever have their opinions about race but actually because I'm like oh shit I don't want to make everyone feel uncomfortable like that's but genuinely should, what I feel we should feel uncomfortable this is the point you should feel uncomfortable you don't want like I then sometimes get this white then you get white guilt right where you're like oh my god I feel fucking awful because yes, I'm literally doing but I'm that's not helpful no it's not helpful don't feel guilty be proactive totally and I think at the end of the day th like this conversation that we're having this podcast is not so much about just going like eh, it sucks and you guys suck yeah. and you're not doing enough it's actually just like let, let's all like what can we do how yeah. can we start to just continue to facilitate this change and be proactive around and just talk about it talk about it yes let's talk about it yeah and get each other's perspective yeah. Do you know what 100%. I mean? Like, the, like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, so coming back to last little bit of homework, um, only yeah. because I'm conscious of my editing oh, yes. time, um, is that, um, so I recently did this campaign with um, Sky Sports and the Women's Sports Trust, um, which was a campaign called Show Up, and it's basically trying to create more awareness, engagement, um, and I guess attendance and at women's sports, yesterday. right? This was yesterday. Yeah. So, um, because it, it, sadly there is less attendance in women's sports and they, they didn't want to make it a negative thing. They didn't want to be like, just like whinging, like, mm. please like come watch us. You know, you should come and watch us. It was more about sort of like bringing awareness around it and putting more, um, representation, um, of women in sports, trying to break down stigmas around um, sports people, like women that play sport as being masculine or and not really fitting into femininity and why, you know. So 
I think that we need to look at this from a positive perspective as well. And rather than just yes. seeing it as like, you know, we're complaining about what's wrong with the world. It's like, okay, what can we do to yeah. show up? I and think I that's think that's what I'm bad at. And it's hard not to do it. Is I keep, I, I don't know. I think when I talk about things like this, I do it from the wrong point. You're right. I'm, I'm like, look at what we're taking away. Whereas we should be like, look at how we can add or make it better. Exactly. So I think it's just about each of us acknowledging our, our um, responsibilities. So I know it's my responsibility to pay attention to my my heritage, my culture, and try to honor it as much as possible rather than shunting it away as though it's something to be ashamed of because that's something I definitely am trying to come to terms with. Um, and speaking about it more, I know that um, following and listening to and reading um, and watching movies and watching TV shows where there are different races and supporting that. I mean, we have to think about supply and demand, yes. right? If we are demanding more diversity, it's going to... Well, look at it with vegan it's food. Gonna happen. Like, as a one thing, like exactly. milk alternatives. Last year or the year before, you'd be lucky if you could get soy. Now, if someone in front of me orders a coffee and doesn't ask for a milk alternative, you're like, that's weird. Like, what? So that demand has happened so quickly. It can turn yes. around. They will produce it. Capitalism will go where the money is at. Exactly. And if you're if you're gunning to see more racial diversity, ableism, whatever it is. Exactly. Uh, less ableism, sorry. Yes, if you're starting to... It, exactly. If you're putting in the demand, and that has to come from all of us, not just... The not ones just with white privilege people, but have to... Definitely. If you've got privilege in any way, shape, or form, then utilize you it. have to utilize it, yeah. In, so, in the right way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's definitely one aspect so as well. You use it as leverage, I think. Exactly. And then if you have a platform like Anoni, like myself, please have conversations like this because, you know, we need to be having louder conversations around it. We need to be, and in from a positive perspective, it doesn't always have to be negative. Just like, you know, we love following positive vegans that are like, look at this great yes. recipe I made and it doesn't have any meat in it rather than you're a fucking bad person. Yeah. <laughs> and if you are a journalist um, or you um, have some kind of connection to media, mm. Please also be willing to give voices to those. I know that you want to give voices to those with big followings because of the readership value yes. that, that you know you will spread with your magazines or your TV shows or whatever. But the truth is, is that we're going to evolve in such an amazing way as a society if we continue to, um, to increase diversity. Also, if you are a journalist and you're trying to get a new readership, you're not going to get a new readership by platforming the same kind of people. Exactly. You might get a whole new percentage um, of people who yes. are women of colour or people who are disabled or whatever who are will suddenly be like, oh my God, this entity is providing information for me exactly and you will actually provide a great niche and even if it's solely for the purpose of capitalism like do it do it though know? because you <laughs> totally. will there's nothing to lose by being inclusive exactly although they do get scared i know of um of doing that and then alienating those that are racist but we should be alienating yeah, we should, those we that are racist we should make them feel That's uncomfortable the make them feel uncomfortable make them feel angry that you've always got a brown person on yes. the, you know whatever or like gay people kissing or gay, totally make them feel uncomfortable yeah. because then it's that discomfort that causes us to question ourselves any time that I've felt sad or angry about something it sucks and I hate it but it does make me become a little bit more mm. um, self-aware and yes. so then I can decide so if you make someone feel uncomfortable by you know kissing another man in front of them they then will question initially they'll be like ew or whatever they might say yeah, but and why then, do i feel uncomfortable? why do i feel uncomfortable and they will hopefully question and that's and question where evolution comes from yeah yeah I exactly agree.
or they'll go and protest about it but it doesn't matter because we'll, we'll just, just shut it down shut it down anyway it's, it's so good to talk to you where can we follow you Shona you can follow me on Instagram Shona underscore virtue I have a book called The Virtue Method and I have a YouTube channel that I release weekly workouts and yoga sequences that you can do um, in your living room actually I need to actually start doing that as well. I'm going to do that. You're going to do some yoga? Yeah, your yoga. Good. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I would love to hear your feedback so you can leave reviews. Please do rate, review and subscribe so other people find the podcast. And you can follow me. I never do this, but I just remember that people are like, who is this girl? Because everyone starts following my private account that has 300 followers because this just says an only format. (laughs) People are obviously like... (laughs) Find her. So yeah, my Instagram is Anoni. <laughs> so I know it's Anoni, but it's spelled U-H-N-O-N-E-E. I don't know why I just did that, but just because in case you want to find me, hunt me I down. Everyone needs to find you. And argue More with people me. need to find you because, I mean, you have lots of people that have found you, but you're amazing. And, and you're amazing. podcast you just heard was recorded with anchor if you want to make your own download the android or ios app completely free from anchor.fm slash podcast that's anchor.fm slash podcast hey folks i'm mark Marin from the wtf podcast and this episode is brought to you by kleenex ultra soft tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 